Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast would be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to this episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Returning to the podcast today is Dr. Chuck Lawless. Dr. Lawless serves as the Dean of Doctoral Studies and the Vice President for Spiritual Formation and Ministry Centers at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. He joined us on the podcast back in the spring to talk about the necessity of prayer in the life of the believer. And today we've invited him back to talk about a recent blog post he's written entitled Nine Things Regathered Churches Are Realizing. Dr. Lawless's influence and insight have been a help to numerous pastors and leaders across the country, myself included, and it's a real blessing to have him back on the podcast. Dr. Lawless, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. It's good to be with you. So, Dr. Lawless, of your many avenues of ministry, perhaps the most wide-reaching is your daily ministry leadership blog at chucklawless.com. And about a month ago, you wrote a post entitled, Nine Things Regathered Churches Are Realizing in which you listed nine things that you were hearing from church leaders and pastors as they began to regather their churches together. Uh, Our church staff and leadership found this to be a helpful post because we felt like it really expressed some of the things that we were sensing collectively, but hadn't quite been able to put words around. And so maybe as we begin, can you talk about the background or the conversations that inspired you to maybe write this post? Yeah, sure. One, One of the things I want to do with my blog is to encourage leaders, to give leaders ideas. Uh, I I want to be a a source of help. Uh, And so I I listen. I listen to pastors. I talk to pastors. And uh, let's face it, David, we're all all facing things these days that we've never faced before. And so trying to figure out how are we going to navigate the waters as they change continually uh, isn't always easy. And so I wanted to just write something to say, look, some churches have regathered. Some of you have not yet. uh, But if you have or if you haven't, maybe here are some things to consider from other church leaders who've already taken this step. So I I want to be a a liaison, if you will, a conduit from this is what churches are doing to here's how we might help other churches do the same. Well, I certainly think that the the post functions as that. It certainly offer, operated. I mean, for personal experience, it was a help. It was helpful for us. We started to kind of regather back at the end of May, and I think even through the summer, have just been learning things almost weekly. Right? L- some some little kind of you know more uh, maybe production things or program things, but but some big kind of theological realizations about the nature of the church as well. And so uh, I, I know that I mentioned to you beforehand, uh, several members of our church are already going to be familiar with the post. We've used it in a sermon series, but the nine realizations that you mentioned in the post are that churches have realized what's been frivolous, what's been ineffective, whether or not we understand New Testament fellowship, why worship wars are silly, where our budgets are out of whack, what it means to put others before ourselves, why corporate worship matters, how much we miss the sounds of kids in church, and how grateful we should be for the freedom to gather. 
And I think that each of these are worthy of really further discussion. But in the interest of time, and so that we don't take two or three hours on this podcast, I kind of grouped them loosely into three categories to help our conversation. So really, I'd kind of like to discuss three of these categories, uh, church effectiveness and efficiency, um, ecclesiology or the beliefs of the church, and then relationships within the local church and kind of those three broad categories. And so as you've kind of had these conversations and, and made some observations around regathering, uh, how how should have or maybe how have churches used this season as a time to evaluate all their ministries and programming? It's, it's been interesting. In some ways, uh, churches that have never done evaluation well have been forced by COVID and the surrounding crisis to do that. We, we've been forced to ask, all right, what what were we doing prior to COVID that we could bring back? And if we do, why do we want to bring it back? Mm-hmm. What were we doing prior to COVID that probably we didn't need to be doing? And just maybe COVID gives us the opportunity to, to shut something down that we didn't need to be doing in the first place. Or as we, as we gather together again, and uh, we want to be careful in our time. Uh, if we want to limit a service to an hour or whatever goal the, the church sets, so we can get people in and out and move traffic as needed if you have multiple services. We've had to ask, all right, what, what extra are we doing in our services that we really don't need to do? What can we cut out without losing our focus on God? And I think what's happening sometimes is we're determining what we can cut out and consequently uh, creating even stronger services because they're more focused. We have to ask the same question about budget. While, while church members have often continued to give well, uh, churches still have to figure out how do we prepare for the future? And anytime mm-hmm. you have to budget with that cloud hanging over your head of the possible decline of giving, you have to decide what really matters to, to accomplish the mission of this church. And what are we doing just because we've always done it that way? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're being pushed by external forces, really, to evaluate better. And I think that's a good thing for the church. No, I would agree. I know it's been a good thing for our leadership staff, uh, our leadership team and pastoral staff here at the church to really begin to think through some of those things. What If we only have limited time in the worship service, if we only have limited resources, what, how will we use these things most effectively to steward these things well for, for God's glory and to keep the focus where it should be? And in the last few weeks here at Lake Murray, we've been preaching through our annual sermon series uh, on our values uh, here at Lake Murray. And one of the primary values is connection or really what the New Testament refers to as fellowship. Uh, and fellowship in the New Testament church is quite often a different thing than what it is regard than what's regarded as fellowship in the modern church, right? When we say fellowship, especially in Baptist churches, what we really mean is food. But what can a post-COVID church learn from studying the New Testament church, uh, specifically in the areas of fellowship, prayer, prioritizing the weekly gathering? We, we think about the early church gathering, and what we read is they really shared life on life. It wasn't, it wasn't just we gathered on Sunday, spent an hour or two together, and then disappeared from one another's lives until the next Sunday. They shared life daily. Uh, and they did that in such a way that they could share life daily while also connecting with non-believers and asking God to draw non-believers to himself through their, yeah. through their ministry. And so they learned how to do both, to, to walk beside each other and to invite non-believers into the hearing of the gospel. Fellowship for them was, as, as you said, it's much more than food. 
the, the evidence is it included food. They, they broke the bread together. They, they sure. shared meals together as they shared life together. But fellowship for them was much more than let's just hang out and have a good meal because they knew, particularly as they first faced persecution, they would gather to worship and a brother or sister wouldn't be there. And it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because they were on vacation. It, it was because they were either imprisoned or dead for the sake of the gospel. And so what, what that early church had to do was come together, re-encourage each other, but in particular, push each other back out again into a dangerous world. And so fellowship was the gathering together to be rearmed to go out and do the work of the gospel. I don't, I don't think we understand fellowship that way. I think what's happened via COVID is we've at least learned that gathering together really does matter. That yeah. yes, we can do it via Zoom, and yes, we can do it through multiple digital means, but there's still something about being in the room together, all singing God's praises together, all the time speaking to one another, singing the Psalms, and singing God's praises. There's just something about that when we gather to hear the word together that I hope we continue to hang on to post-COVID. No, I, I concur with that uh, in, in our own experience here. Um, there seems to be a strong desire among most of our members. And when we talk to pastors of other churches, I think a number of them would, would say the same, that most of our members desire to be back together, that this pe- season of time, and for some churches, you know, some larger churches, even now, they're, they're not gathered together until maybe the, the beginning of next year. But, but there was a desire, at least among our members and several other churches in our community, to be back together. And I think you're right. If this time has accomplished anything, it was perhaps to help us to see where we had kind of taken one another and the weekly gathering for granted. Um, However, you know, it's the case in every church. Just because we're back together again, those kind of interpersonal conflicts and struggles that happen among churches, inside churches and among church members, they, they don't just go away. And so what responsibilities should church members bear in mind as they relate to one another in this season and, and even going forward? So it's a great question. I would first urge caution that if we're not careful as churches, as we look at regathering, we ask questions we have to ask. Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Do we wear them when we sing? Do we not? When are we going to invite children back on campus? How do we maintain social distancing with children? How do we take the offering? How do we do the Lord's Supper? All of those questions are important ones. But I want us to recognize that every one of those questions in some ways turns us inward Mm. because we're asking questions about what are we going to do together and how are we going to do it? And so I fear that we're spending all of our energy or at least the majority of our energy trying to figure out how are we going to gather well and, and consequently, we're not thinking as much as we ought to, how do we get non-believers to hear the gospel mm. even through this strange time? I, I do fear that because we've learned to really want to be together again, if we're not careful, we'll even more cocoon ourselves among believers. And I don't, I don't think that's the point. I, I think as we relate to each other, we have to remember that, number one, we're we're not there for ourselves. Church is not about us. It's right. about the God that we serve 
and we're to put others before ourselves so that as we serve one another, the transforming power of the gospel becomes evident. The love of God expressed through the love of his people becomes evident to a lost world, and we, we treat each other with godly respect uh, in such a way that the world doesn't understand our, our unity. It's, it's Jesus saying, Father, make them one, so the world may know that you sent me. There's, there's something supernatural about our oneness that is a witness to the gospel. What that means is we have to make deliberate, intentional decisions to say, I am going to be a church member who strives for oneness. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be that divisive person. And COVID has helped us push aside those things that we used to divide over. I wonder where we're going to go. When we, when we get back to whatever is the new normal. I, I yeah. pray that we don't let those divisive issues rise to the surface again. Well, and that leads right into my next question. I, I think you conclude your post with this warning of sorts or maybe a, a, a personal concern, but you're, you write that your biggest fear is that the things we are learning will quickly be forgotten when the routine is in place again. And so how can churches, and and you've alluded to some of this, but how can churches guard against the temptation to forget what it is that we've learned over this past year? You know, none of us, none of us defaults into uh, continual evaluation, the chaos of change. We default into our safety mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so we fall back into what we felt comfortable with. And my concern is that the majority of churches in North America in particular were plateaued or declining prior to COVID. Uh, mm. they, they were already struggling. Then you put COVID on top of that, and we, we had to pivot quickly, and churches did that in remarkable ways. Uh, they began to see that they could share the gospel via online, and more people would at least stop by to hear something. And all of that was, all of that was good. Um, but but I do fear that we'll settle down into the same old inwardly focused routine. And so how do, we, how do we fight against this? I think, first of all, it means as pastors, we have to continually lead our people to ask, how can we do this better? Mm. And I frame the question that way because I don't want us to approach everything negatively. What's, what's the problem here? I want right. us to find out what, what's working, what are we doing well, and then continually ask, how can we do this better for God's glory? If, if we keep striving for God, we want to do this to the best of our God-given ability. We want to do this in your power for your glory. So, Lord, help us to do it differently. Help us to do it better. If we keep striving for that, even, even when we have a success, we have a regathering service and a bunch of people come back and they sing like they've never sung and it's, it's uh, glorious to be together. I still want us to stop at the end and say, all right, Lord, thank you for that gift. Help us to know how we can, how we can do it better. And as, as a pastor, I would gather around me two or three or four other leaders who have the same heart. Who, who would also push back against me if it feels like I'm settling back into mediocrity. I'm settling back into my safe position. I wouldn't want someone to say to me, Pastor, you're letting us get too settled. We, mm. we need to keep moving. We, we need to uh, pitch our tents and then get up and go again. Mm. 
I think those are great words of counsel, just going back to your previous point of even thinking the temptation for the church is always to become insular, right? And even so, maybe more in this season to think about us. But ultimately, we think about us so that we can think about others, right? It's this idea that we that we are unified so that we can go, so that we can be on mission, that we can be Great Commission Baptist churches who are concerned about uh, our neighbors and the nations. And uh, 2020 has indeed been this momentous year for all of us, including church leaders and members. And so as we close this episode, uh, Dr. Lawless, you, you've given already such good insight and wisdom here, but I wonder if you would maybe perhaps offer a final word of counsel or caution to, to pastors and church members as we move towards the the final months of, of 2020. You know, David, since, since I uh, was with you the first time on the podcast, I've begun an interim pastorate in a church mm. here in Wake Forest. And um, well, I love pastoring people, shepherding the same people. I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach to the same people every Sunday. It didn't take me long uh, in this new role to recognize that the world's different under COVID. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's an added level of stress to all of this that is just wearying sometimes. And so what I would say, particularly to pastors and, and church leaders, uh, several things I would say. First, I would say, uh, do what you need to do to get some rest. Yeah. Take care of yourself physically. Um, eat properly. Uh, have somebody in your life who, who checks up on you. Are you taking care of yourself? Uh, we've got to take care of ourselves physically under the stress, and we're not going to have as much to offer spiritually. So that's one simple step I would, I would say is let's take care of ourselves under all of this stress. Two, I would say, and I said this about uh, having folks around me who keep pushing me to, to do things better. I, I, I want to find two or three people who are just on board for, we want to move forward. We want to do everything we do uh, for God's glory. So I'm not doing this by myself. When I, yeah. I know I've got a few people who, are, who have my back and who push us toward the future. I can put up with a lot of stress of, of COVID because I know somebody's, somebody's with me. Um, then I would, I'd remind us that our God is still sovereign. Mm. God is still drawing to himself people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And God is going to accomplish his plan. God is doing something through this crisis in each of us. What we need to be willing to do is to say, Lord, show me what you're teaching me. Don't let me miss what you're, what you're teaching me. Maybe I am the pastor. Maybe I am a church leader, but, but um, there's still much I need to learn. And so, God, teach me, too, that I might teach others. So let's take care of ourselves physically, spiritually, get folks around us, and be teachable. Those are helpful words, Dr. Wallace. And if you haven't already done so, you can read the post, Nine Things Regathered Churches Are Realizing, and more posts from Dr. Chuck Lawless at his website, chucklawless.com. There you'll find his daily blog on leadership, missions, evangelism, and church health, along with other helpful resources. I'd encourage you to subscribe to his blog for a daily word from Dr. Lawless. Dr. Lawless, I want to reiterate again how grateful uh, I am and we are for your ministry and insight I know that I personally have benefited from your faithfulness to use your gifts to advance the kingdom and equip the church. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast today. Thank you. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Murray Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. 
For more information about Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.